Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Ah, yes, it is a new edition of the Last Word on Sports Media podcast. I am the somewhat capable host, TJ Reeves, trying not to act like a short timer here on the podcast as I'm about to make my way westward from where I am in the Tampa Bay area uh, with Buccaneer training camp beginning, uh, with the Rays uh, plummeting with apparently to the bottom of the Gulf of Mexico with the way they've been playing baseball. No, no, I'm going to depart and be part of the Errol Spence, Terrence Crawford World Welterweight title fight and pay-per-view out in Las Vegas. So I'm trying not to be too much of a short timer here. I'm going to give you good stuff on the last World on Sports Media podcast, but understand if I'm distracted because I'm trying to figure out uh, things like travel plans, underwear, what's going on in Vegas, blah, 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 all of that going on. And to help me straighten it out here on the program are a couple of guys that I enjoy the heck out of. Hello, Jonathan Grella from JAG Public Affairs, former VP of Communications of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I love Jonathan's insight on so many things, NFL communications. How are you, my friend? Good. It's good to be with you, Count of Monte Fisto. <laughs> thank, thank you. Very nice. Uh, are you going to go through all of the nicknames of Apollo Creed now from Rocky? He's the king of sting, the master of disaster, right. all of those names. Uh, hello, Ken Fang from Awful Announcing, also trying to keep me straight on this edition of the podcast. Good to have you back, my friend. Uh, good to see you. And what buffets are you going to be hitting over in Las Vegas? That is a great question. I'm going to be staying right near the T-Mobile Arena. The media hotel is right there for this world welterweight title fight. And the first thing is it's enough, as I like to say, to fry an egg on your head hot in Las Vegas. It's going to be literally like 115 degrees during the day. I don't know what it's going to be at night. The good news is the fight, a lot of times in the 80s, you guys know this, 70s, even in the 80s, they would have these fights outdoor arena in the summertime, even at yep. night, and it's still 100 bloody degrees or 105 or whatever. At least this is indoors in the arena where the uh, Las Vegas Golden Knights, the defending Stanley Cup champs now, play hockey. So Errol Spence, Terrence Crawford, a big deal on pay-per-view. One, one word of advice is that if you're going to go to the buffet and pay for the buffet, as Ken recommends, you can't eat like a welterweight. No, no. you must. No. You must go no. strong or not go at all. Go heavyweight. Stretch pants. Uh, Foreman, with that. Like Already. peak Foreman, you know, situation. <laughs> peak, peak Tyson Fury in the present day, who's never Free missed a meal. knockout grill. Right. Yes. We're not going to knock out Foreman, the Foreman gonna... knockout grill, knock out the buffet, et cetera. All I know is while we totally digress on the last World of Sports Media podcast, I was out there in July of 2001. I've been out there in July a couple of times. July 2001, I went to play golf, and I still remember the name of the golf course then. I don't know if it's still there now. Prim Valley Golf Club. Not one of these high-end ones where Ken Fang rolls or where Jonathan oh, yeah. Grella rolls, like Shadow Creek, Steve Wynn's golf course, or TPC Summerlin, where it's like $280 a round. No, no, not, not TJ. TJ's off the strip in Henderson, Nevada, at Prim Valley in the middle of July, uh, out in Las Vegas. And I swear to you, I pull up 
to the driving range. And you know how you have those circular, we have these in Florida, those circular temperature like clocks that go yeah. outside on your deck, et cetera. You've seen them. The uh, the broadcasters in the in the college football and NFL games in the early season, they put yeah. those down on the field to show what the field temperature is. Anyway, they usually go up to like 120 degrees, zero to 120. So I pull up to the driving range and that thing is pegged boys pegged <laughs> over at 120 and i look and it's out in the sun so that may make it a little worse but i look at the guy that's the range attendant first of all i'm the only one out there there's nobody else out there it's like 11 a.m noon i said is th does that mean that it's worse than 120 he goes oh god yeah it's it's more than 120 out here <laughs> time to get a new one okay yeah. so so it is me literally on the course while we totally digress. Last word on sports media podcast. It is two other guys who are from Bakersfield, California. They told me, and they are like five holes ahead of me. So they give me like three bottles of Gatorade. Give me not selling them. Give me a couple of bottles of water. They give me a couple of wet towels. And they said, uh, here's the update. We're going to come check on you every two or three holes. We're going <laughs> to send somebody every two or three holes. I kid you not. And you're I not must, a drinker. I'm not a drinker. No, I'm talking about electrolytes. I'm talking about water. I'm talking about I had to have drank five liters of fluid that day golfing in Las Vegas. Uh, and, and I was a raisin by about the 15th hole. And they were right. They came and checked on me three or four times. There was only one occasion where I looked down at the golf ball and it was fuzzy. And just like Rocky Balboa to bring it back like Rocky, I saw three of them. I saw three golf balls. Hit the there. one in the middle. Hit the one in the middle. Exactly. Grella knew where I was going with that. Uh, so anyway, it will be hot. I will not be golfing in Vegas, but I'll be out there for boxing. Anyway, thank you, boys, for being here, letting me digress, uh, et cetera. It is hot a lot of places, but it will be hot in the desert uh, for all of that. And I look forward to being out there. Bigfightweekend.com, by the way, is the website. Big Fight Weekend is the podcast. Dan Rayfield, the legendary boxing uh, mm -hmm. commentator and writer of ESPN.com, is my partner. We'll be out there for the World Welterweight title fight. So all of that is upcoming. Uh, just a quick disclaimer to the audience. Thank you for finding me. However, you've done so with the social media help of Ken, of Jonathan, of everybody, everybody that's following and subscribing. Thank you. We're here midweek, even through the summer, with the last word on sports media podcast. George Offman's Tell Me a Story I Don't Know podcast is also on this feed. George uh, does a great job interviewing Chicago-themed sports interviews. He just had Doug Glanville uh, last week on the program, the former Cubs outfielder, now broadcaster, etc. I know Ken's got a special place for the Chicago Bears in his heart, too. He's had guys like Dan Hampton on the program. Program. Uh, who else on the program uh, previously? The likes of Greg Gumbel, Bob Costas, Michael Wilbon, etc. Great stuff from George. And then later in the week, the announcers, the announcer schedules podcast with Mike and Phil. They do a great job of analyzing uh, who does it well in the national booths all over the place, all over sports, national TV, national radio. The announcer schedules podcast is also on this feed. Hey, while we're at it, let's just get right into it. Speaking of announcers, there's a slew of them over in both New Zealand and and in Australia, and Jonathan, I don't know how big you are into the Women's World Cup. It's big in my house. It's big in a lot of places. I got the teenage girls, the teenage twins. Uh, Ken Fang to you, the U.S. Uh, women's national team wins their opening game with Vietnam as the, at the time we tape this. Good, if not really good, ratings for the opening match. They're playing match two as we release this Wednesday night. We don't know that result. You may know and you will know that result later in the week. Ken, what about Fox's coverage? This is underway in the group stage. Are you checking some of it out? And they got a slew of talent again over there and uh, different play-by-play people. What about the Women's World Cup, Ken Fang? Uh, well, 
Fox doing very well with it. The uh, numbers for the women's uh, World Cup, the U.S. women's team on Wednesday against Vietnam, five point about three million people watched on Fox, another million on Telemundo, a uh, total audience delivery. So about six point three million people watched. Uh, very good for Fox. Very good for Telemundo. As long as the U.S. are in there, there's going to be a lot of high interest. A second game is going to be also in prime time, just like the Vietnam game was last week. So we, I expect Fox should get about six million now, uh, a total by itself. So I think that as long as the U.S. continues to do well, they're in the group stage. They have Portugal the next game, which is going to be three a.m. Eastern time. Don't expect that to get six million, but altogether, um, Fox's coverage of the women's World Cup is better than the men's World Cup. Uh, yes, they have Alexi Lalas, who I've had my issues with, um, but they get more of a diverse cast. And I think that's a very good thing for the women. They have Karina LeBlanc from Cal from uh, uh, Canada, who's also the GM of the Portland Thorns. They have uh, Heather O'Reilly, former U.S. Uh, women's yep. World Cup uh, player, uh, champion as well. Carly Lloyd. Uh, they also have uh, a bunch of other uh, talent as well. Uh, Ariane Hengst from Germany. They also have got uh, a, a one, an analyst from Australia. So it's more of a diverse cast. I like their coverage of the women than the men. Um, the men tend to, uh, men's World Cup coverage tends to rely too much on Alexi Lalas and Lanovin Donovan's uh, outlandish tales. So um, it's it's a much more enjoyable coverage than we get on the men's. A better, a better listen. You said you've had your issues with him. Did you have a run in with him or you just have uh, you just don't like the job that he does? Elaborate well, on that for a second. When I'm at 7 a.m., I want when he's on at 7 a.m., I don't want pounding on the table and pointing his finger at the American people. That's too <laughs> early for that. Way too early. <laughs> I, yeah, I don't want that. I get that in my house at some points at exactly. the breakfast table. Exactly. I don't need that on TV. Uh, Jonathan Grella, are you into this a little bit? Because as Ken mentioned, the men's team is almost a lost cause to keep yeah. up with this. I know if they do anything, they get some audience. But the women, at least, are two-time defending champs. Are you into this a little bit with the coverage, et cetera, of all the early stage matches here? Yeah, uh, and, and and for a few reasons. I I, um, pl I played soccer growing up in high school and coached my, my son's team. He's now very, very into soccer, and my daughter – um, is certainly intrigued uh, by it as well. Uh, we're we watch part of the Vietnam game, though it's a little bit past their bedtime. Um, uh, look, I, I I wish them luck. Um, I am in. I always like to think about whether they are getting advice to be less political, um, and if we want to see them and soccer in general, which is on a bit of a you know I'd say quite a heater right now. Mm -hmm. um, popularity then um you know hopefully they you know there's there's no cause for anyone to be less than fully enthusiastic and full-throated in their support for the for the national team so you know keep it up and, and let your uh let your play do the talking um that, that's really important for that's for it. them and they'll have every opportunity i'm sure to uh to engage on social and public and political issues but hopefully they can resist and and you know and keep keep uh, their countrymen solidly behind them and avoid controversy. And again, let, let soccer and women's soccer have, have this uh, special moment. It is interesting. It's in both New Zealand and in Australia. Ken, back to you here just for a second. So they're playing preliminary matches in both places. And again, you've got time displacement too, but here we go back to Fox 
uh, is the primary bidder and benefactor. So they've been able to dictate some that these U.S. women's matches, they're not going to be on by and large in the middle of the night in the United States because who's paying the big part of the freight, right, Ken? Correct? Yeah, yeah Fox is paying a, a, a big uh rights fee for this so uh getting the u.s women in prime time for the first two group matches is a good thing uh playing at nine o'clock at night uh right in the middle of prime time and you're ending right before the 11 o'clock news on the east coast is just perfect because uh you're going to get those people viewing you're going to get those kids uh summer vacation watching uh, you're going to get families together and especially if you're on the central and mountain and western and pacific time zones it's a perfect time you can have your dinner and, and watch the soccer that yeah. is very that's very true and again they are 14 hours ahead 13 or 14 depending on the part of australia of that timeline ahead so a game that is on at 9 p.m here eastern time adjust your time zone in the u.s that's in the middle of the day the next day for example in australia so they're trying to calculate it the right way to get as much of it later on in the afternoon or evening u.s time if they can make that work as it goes along and we got plenty of time over the next couple of weeks to see what the u.s women's team does or doesn't do looking to go for the three-peat all right jonathan grilla i pivot off of that uh, it has started training camp and Jonathan, again, full disclosure, worked three years with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in terms of being vice president of communications and being in and around training camp. OK, the first easiest lob I'm going to give you. How little do you miss that being out there every day in the 100 plus degree heat like we were joking about earlier, where everybody's crotchety by especially by like day six, day 14. Uh, of of sweaty practice and trying to do interviews you got to confess you don't miss that you don't miss that right now in your professional life come on come at, confess there are certain things i don't miss about that special experience to be honest i love football being back i don't mind being hot um and certainly I remember being hot very fondly um uh, especially during the colder months here in in, in uh the mid-atlantic right. right um but um I, I just love training camp and, and football being back. So I do, I choose to remember those days fondly as much of a grind as they were. And, and, oh man, doing joint practices, we had them with the Patriots and um, it, it was, those days were, were wild and woolly uh, in a lot of different ways and, and a real endurance test in, in the uh, hot Florida sun. I just uh, wonder the, the obligatory monsoon in the late afternoon every day where you're like is this the apocalypse each day yes in west central florida people have got to understand that you almost prepare for this every july that between about three and six p.m and jonathan's not along and ken you may or may not be aware of this it's like end of the world type thunderstorms and rain and then it's gorgeous and then it's gorgeous after that after six or seven p.m it's gorgeous for the sunset that stuff uh crazy and you mentioned this all right so let's tie it into the j e T.S. Jets, 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 who will be on Hard Knocks. I have to stop myself. It's not called HBO anymore. Ken's nodding along in, appro- in, a, in approval of me. It's Max. Max. It's just simply Max. Not Mad Max, not uh, Grody to the Max, Beta Max. Any Max. Uh, Beta Max, anything, uh, any other Max. Uh, so Max has the Hard Knocks. The Jets, Jonathan's first love, his favorite NFL team growing up. Now he's back in, in full throttle with the Jets, with Aaron Rodgers there. So they the first episode is not this week on Max, but it will, I believe, be next week 
There's uh, a lot. Once everything gets underway with the preseason. Oh, by the way, my Buccaneers will go practice with the Jets the week of the Jets Bucks preseason game, preseason week two. I will try not to make an appearance. I will hide over to the side and try to be away from the 24 seven cameras. I need to be heard, not seen, as Jonathan knows and Ken knows. I need to try to shirk away from the cameras. But anyway, what do you make just in general real quick, Jonathan, and then Ken, I'm coming to you, about the Jets and Aaron Rodgers on the hard knocks. We're going to see a lot of this yeah. training camp with him there. Yeah, so I was a ball boy for the Jets when I was 16. And, and you know, fast forward all these years later, to uh, I guess that was 1990. And in 2010, I got recruited to to go work for the Bucs. And, and um, little did I suspect it through um, – binging on hard knocks and 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 all all football content i was obsessed with the idea of working in the nfl and then sure enough the opportunity comes and and um and we we had gotten approached by um nfl films and uh and the league to um to do um hard knocks one year after we had a successful 2010 we're 10 and 6 and you know without um telling tales out of school one thing that came to mind is the Jets were sort of jammed and Jets were, you know, kind of uh, backed into this and did this against their will was one. Um, having gone through the process, it, you know, you you think, is my team ready for this? Be and you may think your team is young and upcoming, young and hungry or younger. And, and, you know, and at the time we all thought they were. But at the fact was that, you know, at the time, the team was the youngest team in the league. Um, very, very youngest coach in the league, one of the youngest GMs, ownership groups, etc. And you've got to ask yourself and be real about um, the risks, right? It's invasive. Is Hard Knocks looking to burn the team they're covering? No, but it's invasive. It's distracting, as you know, as uh, better than even I do that front offices and, and head coaches in the NFL are allergic to distraction mm -hmm. or paranoid to you know to um an insane degree about cameras being around and and media being around this is brings that to up close and personal and even in a nondescript situations you know a player antonio cromartie springs to mind where he's naming all of his children and that's not something that like the owners could then look at the pr guy and say you know what'd you do or how'd you let that happen and and with with nfl films you do have the opportunity to edit some edit some stuff out but if something's entertaining enough they're they want to keep it in so there is a bias toward it being an interesting show and you and a, and a team is not going to be allowed to sanitize it there will be things, um, whatever website is on the screen of the GM when they have the stationary camera in the corner of the room and he's, you know, you know, his or something like that. And he happens to be whatever on eBay uh, and and that ends up on TV. And all of a sudden that's a thing, especially in this day and age. Froze it, you know, screen grabs, posted online, every, something becomes a meme and, and it, you're surrendering control. Um, for the glory of hard knocks. And so the business side of the operation, the owners and, and president or COO of the, of the operation, ticket sales and everything will want, will think of hard knocks as an infomercial. The coach and GM and players will view it as invasive and, and too, you know, too up close and personal. And, and then the PR guy will say, you know, eyes wide open, 
we may or may not be able to handle this. I hope everyone, before we make a decision or we decide land on how we're going to deal with this, we all have to be get aligned on on what this means for the organization, what this means for the season, which leads me finally to the expectations to the Jets are already pretty high, which is why the league has scheduled them for so so many primetime games, why they have foisted hard knocks on them. They, they know full well that whatever happens this season, even dumb stuff, not picking up a you know, critical first down to win a game or, or whatever, uh, or not, you know, not, um, not standing tall on a goal line stand will be blamed on hard knocks. You know, it, even if it happens three <laughs> months from now, so who needs that crap? So the, I think the Jets have done a very masterful job at making it clear that they don't want it. They did not seek it. They did. It was done against their wishes, and they will they will navigate it. I hope they navigate it well, and 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 that people remember. And I'm sure not every pundit on TV will remember. And and they will, it'll it will at some point by Colin Coward or or Skip Bayless be mentioned in November or December that the Jets were you know were um, Rocky and Rocky Three to bring it back to boxing, and were too Showtime and too Broadway and got their ass knocked out by. By Clever Lang. By Clever yeah. Lang. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Mini Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. What a, what an answer you just gave me on so many fronts. We could spend 30 minutes on that. All right, Ken Fang, let's bring it Sorry. back to this. It's okay. It's your team. It's your passion. We can tell. Ken, how intrigued are you by Jets and Aaron Rodgers as the newlyweds and what we're about to get a bunch of access to? Ken, what about you? The Jets have always been an interesting team, whether it was Rex Ryan saying, let's go have an effing snack. Whatever. <laughs> I mean, one of my favorite moments of all time on, on Hard Knocks. Um, Aaron Rodgers is just a magnet wherever he goes. I mean, he's he believes he's the smartest man in the room, which is fine. Um, that's why he wanted to host Jeopardy. But it's OK because and he's ingratiating himself to New York by being seen at Madison Square Garden at Knicks games, uh, at Rangers games. So he, I think that's a great storyline, whether he's going to let the cameras follow him to a to a, a Yankees or Mets game. Probably not, but he's going to do something uh, and say something that's going to be, as, as as Jonathan mentioned, a meme. It's going to get there. It's going to happen. He's in control, though, right? So yeah. he'll do yeah. it deliberately and provocatively. And he's like, you know, sort of a, closer to the Derek Jeter. It's the it's the other guys who I'm, I'm worried about more than him. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And uh, the thing is, is that uh, are we going to see uh, players get cut? Probably not, because the Jets have said they don't want Apparently that. Apparently, right. They're complaining about that aspect, and they want because Joe taken Douglas out. was the Turk for the Ravens. Right. right, and and the the iconic moment there is a few years ago with the Miami Dolphins, where Joe Philbin, who was not a very good coach, he found out, and everybody found out that Chad Ochocinco, who was Chad Johnson, wide receiver, who was with the Dolphins, I think for about fifteen minutes, got himself in trouble, got arrested, I believe, for domestic violence, whatever it was. I think that was yeah. it. Yeah. And he cut him on camera on hard knocks, and it was riveting. And and HBO actually played up the fact in advance, you're going to see exactly what happened. Yeah. And the episode ends with him sitting in the office and Chad Johnson with the look like, oh, my God, my, my shot in Miami's over with here. Mm -hmm. So we're apparently 
Not going to see that, but almost everything else is kind of fair game. And again, the Buccaneers have recently done this with Jameis Winston uh, back in the 2017 season, I believe it was. I may have my seasons off where, again, the cameras were there. I did a very good job of staying away from that. I think they used me, Jonathan will smile, as the sideline guy on the radio making a comment. They used me yeah. like one time in five episodes. You That's heard good, one buddy. cut of TJ going, oh, he just missed that block completely and he's getting chewed out by a coach or whatever I said and it suddenly is on hard knocks. So I did my best to stay away when it was on there. Uh, but you see interesting things from this, and I want to bring it back to one more thing, and then we'll kind of move on to the rest of, of the football discussion, is like the Lions were the team a year ago, the Detroit Lions, and the number one pick, Aiden Hutchinson, and you know where I'm going with this, guys, uh, from the Michigan Wolverines. They do the rookie thing where they have the rookies stand up and sing songs and sing whatever. A lot of them try to get up and sing like a church no, song, try to sing a – a school alma mater. He got up and started Aiden Hutchinson's started trying to sing Billy Jean, the famous Michael Jackson song and do a dance. And the beginning of it was not very good, but then he got in rhythm and started singing it. And the entire team, especially, and I don't want to turn this into a racially tinged thing, but it told me a lot because the black players sat up, the black players started pumping their fists. The black players were on their feet, screaming and singing Billie Jean with him. And that said to me at a distance uh, remotely, that team is together. That's not everything, but that shows me they are together in that kind of sequence and in that locker room. It's a building block at that point. No, it doesn't mean that the, the Lions were going to go out and win the Super Bowl, but I just got great insight from watching that. And I don't know what, uh, just one more time around the room, Jonathan, what kind of great insight can we expect from Rogers <laughs> and the, and, and the jets? First, a quick PSA. I wouldn't advise that any um, rookie player, unless you were drafted in a top three attempt to um, karaoke, a song in, uh, in hopes of ingratiating yourself with your teammates, it's a very <laughs> risky proposition. Um, so you know, have a little, bring a little self-awareness to the game. I remember those, those days and those moments, um, not being in the room, but, but knowing it was that night or the, or last mm -hmm. night you would hear stuff about it. And we saw what the jets last time, remember they had like a uh, Mr. Ugly and Vlad Dukas or whatever wanted. <laughs> And, and and so yeah, the what you hear when you listen to the podcast, the rewatchables with Bill Simmons, is him review movies from the last ten or fifteen years that you consider contemporary, and then you realize how much how much the rules have changed, what jokes aren't funny right. anymore, what's gone out of style, what hasn't aged well, as he would as he would put it. So I'm not I'm not worried about Rogers. I'm not worried about Robert Sala. Always says the right thing. Joe Douglas always says the right thing. Not sure exactly on Woody, but there are a lot of young guys in that team. And, and, you know, there's going to be controversy that, you know, what, what I really appreciated about Rex in as much as it was deliberate, I think it was authentic to him, which is why it worked, why his team bought in and, and, and rallied for him. His players always loved him, but he was willing to be the heat shield for a young team and for his quarterback, Mark Sanchez at the time. So I think between Robert and Joe and Aaron like they're my buddies, like those three are going to be a lot of what the attention's focused sure. on. And I would imagine sauce will, will sauce will be heavily in the rotation. And he actually, despite being a cool and, and kind of interesting guy, I think he totally gets it and will be fine. Garrett Wilson be another one. So you kind of know who they're going to feature on the, on the principal end and on the front top end of the roster, you know, and then there will be those, those edge of the roster bubble guys and and you just don't know what you're going to get there. Um, so I, I think it'll I think it'll go really really well. 
Um, and look, if, if, if the, this will be a good early test for the Jets, it's a shame that it will become part of the narrative, though they resisted doing it. Um, but this is a big boy season. They're putting on the big boy uh, pants um, as a team for the first time in a while. And this is, this is a good early test to see how, how ready they are for prime time. Love it. Ken, anything else to close it out about Hard Knocks? Max, not HBO Max. Max will have it coming up. Anything else that you have an expectation of or something in the recent annals of Hard Knocks that stands out for you that you're looking for this to maybe rise to that level? Anything else? Well, I hope that it's going to be a compelling season. It's uh, with the Jets, it will be. It definitely will be. I, I think it will be. We've had teams before that have that have gone on, and it's just been a boring season. Even the Cowboys on a, on a couple of times have not been compelling, which is believe it or not. With um, Dave Campo, yeah, yeah, exactly. So right. It, it 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 could happen, but I think with this group of, of players, especially with Aaron Rodgers, as you mentioned, Robert Salas, Sauce Gardner could be a very good uh, storyline. I think though this will be quite a compelling season, and this will be a fun to, a fun watch. And yeah, you know, they've had the Cincinnati Bengals recently as well, and the Lions yeah. weren't supposed to be very good, and the Lions turned out to be good. It turned out to be a lot a lot better. That turned out to be a fun fun few weeks on Hard Knocks with the Lions. Anything else, Jonathan? Real quick. My quick prediction is I'm trying to think of where the controversy is. This used to be my specialty in the box locker room. <laughs> I remember when uh, I could say this now that an open locker room the day after the game, I would always guess who the media wanted. And, and for cynical and creative reasons, like um, when Doug Martin, who was our rookie running back, got, got drafted um, and he, he supplanted LeGarrette Blunt, who was on the side of the stadium um, after Doug Martin had his first breakout game in Oakland, we yep. fly cross country, open locker room the next day. And I called to my team. I said, Garrett's going to be who they go to. And sure enough, that's who they went to. So my guess is Mackay Becton is going to be the one who um, is going to be the one who uh, the early storylines are about. Uh, and uh, and until until his situation is squared, starter on the roster, traded, whatever the case may be. Mackay's comeback or not it, um, is going to be featured as kind of the early drama. And that's my read. Uh, like I said earlier, a, a delay and a lag of time. So um, in tracking very closely, um, play like a jet and coverage of the Jets camp thus far, it'll be that Rogers and, and Wilson are, are um, dazzling and that Becton's, Becton's the, the one, the kind of dramatic storyline. If you can't tell on the last word on sports media podcast as we're about to move off this subject, Jonathan is passionate about this because unofficially I have the count at 40 minutes on the show and Jonathan spent 59 minutes so far on the Jets and hard knocks. I'm just having fun Sorry. with you here on this. It's okay. You're passionate Sorry, about it. I look forward to seeing what these episodes are going to be. Ken I've Fang, let me. I've never a possession battle with TJ before. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> it's not easy to do. That's a good line. Uh, Ken Fang, uh, let's keep it in the NFL. Let's keep it in the family. Oh, Oh, Daniel Snyder is not an owner anymore for the first time in like 25 wow, plus wow. years in the <laughs> NFL. Uh, the sale has gone through, but we haven't really talked about this very much on the podcast. And I'm going to get great insight from both of you. Part of the backdrop of the closing of this sale. And by the and by the way, in my household, bring the zeros down on closing the sale of the house or the car, as opposed to a six billion dollar sale uh, on the on the closing. Uh, part of the backdrop, though, was this John Gruden ongoing lawsuit suing the NFL, the owners, et cetera, for the email links leaks that brought him down as the coach of the Las Vegas Raiders. Um, and a, a great piece of reporting from two guys that are tremendous writers and investigative reporters, Don Van Atta of ESPN and Seth Wickersham, where they detailed who the leakers 
were were likely and how this is intertwined in Daniel Snyder is part of this. Daniel Snyder is unhappy about this. And Daniel Snyder is even threatening the owners and the and the league with the rest of his emails that if his sale didn't go through or he didn't get his terms, uh, Ken Fang, what did you make of all that reporting? And now the sale has gone through. What do you make of this situation? Because Snyder now departs, but Gruden is still suing the league. Your thought here, Ken? Well, a fantastic reporting, by the way. Don Van Nata and I have gone back and forth, not on this story, but uh, we've talked about other things. And he's a very fantastic writer, excellent reporter, uh, always is vetted, always vets his sources. Um, this particular story, um, I think it was something like 80,000 words. Uh, I kept scrolling, I think, for about a couple of hours on it, but it was compelling Cramps. reading. Yeah. yeah, exactly. It was just compelling reading about what, everything that was going on. And Snyder's saying, well, if I leak this story, if I leak this, uh, these these uh, racist memos from Gruden, I'll get back in the good graces of, of Roger Goodell. And it totally backfired on him. And all the owners are like saying... And as we all know, they're a secret club. They have their own morals. They have their own ideas. And they just didn't like Dan Snyder to begin with. And this just basically uh, closed his coffin. It just basically sealed the coffin shut on him. And uh, that's where the NFL just said, hey, look, we have to we have to find a way to get him out. And um, that's it took a long while. Uh, it Eventually it happened. But still, um, Snyder is he's still around somehow because he has to pay that fine. He still has to do uh, some things. But still, he's just one of those guys that you just when you read about him, you just really need to take a shower. You really do, mm. because one of those people that you just he's just not he's just not likable. Not and I don't know anybody that had anything good to say about him. And Jonathan, you're based in and around the D.C. area. And the thing that I keep coming back to from Washington, uh, fans that I know from media members that work there is he has basically destroyed fandom fandom of that fan base and they could they wanted this guy gone 15 years ago forget about 2023 they wanted this guy gone so it has now happened what did you make of all of that the, with the reporting in the espn story the sale has happened jonathan give me a couple quick thoughts yeah i, I love this from the washington angle and 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 i could say from from that aspect that the then Redskins, when I moved down here in 1996, that that has me here for a good long time. And then there were the three years I was in Tampa. So I was geographically further away, but in a sense closer to it because they heard and understood more and worked uh, work with the Washington folks a lot, was, was that the Redskins were a, have been a historically significant cultural and societal like institution for this area. And beyond this area, and I mean, a, 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 one of the more storied franchises in the NFL, of course, but but in, I've only seen since coming here in the later 90s, that share diminish, almost like Disney stock price, right? Like you just, just over time, the cult, the Redskins became less of a less of a cultural force. Uh, in Washington, not just in sports, but in general. One playoff win in his entire tenure from a long-storied championship-winning yeah. franchise. One playoff win to your yeah, point, Yeah, and, and, and look, when I grew up in New York, it was, it was you know, George Steinbrenner. I remember thinking of, of Steinbrenner in that he would pay all this money and these free agents wouldn't work out, right? And, you know, Ed Whitson, right, kind of guys wouldn't work out. 
Danny, Danny Tartable. Yes. When he was trying to win, right? He was trying to win. So you go, all right. And that, and that was early on was, was the thing with him was like, oh, he's overpaying for has-beens and, you know, Bruce right. Smith, John Sanders, and, you know, Adam Archuleta, you know, Antoine Randall uh, and so on. It, but it, it never got better. And and then on top of it, just in general, the the guy has had a, has had a crap reputation with fellow owners from the jump, not because they decided they didn't like him, but because he he alienated some of the most detestable people and powerful people in the world. And uh, imagine being called an asshole um, by a group of 32 billionaires. Right. Mm. Like you've got to be a, you've got to be a rare breed if, if they're like, wow, you, you know, you are just too arrogant and too obnoxious for my liking. Um, so my guess is my guess is they've come across a lot of jerks, uh, even in that room. And, and, and for whatever reason, he takes the cake. Josh Harris and his group seem to be asked, you know, approaching this the right way and winning back the fans trust. There is now, uh, you know, renewed enthusiasm about the team uh, coming back into the district, which make us and uh, everyone very, very happy. We'll see about the rebrand uh, with the name, all that. It, it, it would be great because as DC is very much a transplant city um, there are a lot of people who are from here who have been loyal to the franchise, but but transplants, a lot of times, uh, I've noticed during my time here, have come to over time adapt to, you know, become Nats fans and gravitate towards the Caps and, you know, the Wizards to a certain extent. But it never translated to the football team. Of course. Uh, and maybe that will happen now. I'm not saying that I'm up for, up for grabs, but um, but it, it, it has become being a Skins fan around here was for the locals and for the old school. And it what just was not cool to like them, um, which is part of the reason why DC Defenders did well um, with the XFL during their um, couple of seasons here. So I think it's a new day in Washington and that's super exciting. Um, best of luck and, and, and uh, to the Harris group and, and that franchise. Quick opinions. Can you first, are they going to change the name and the color scheme completely? Wipe it clean. Give me a, just a, a, a prediction, a, a thought. Do you think that's what they might do again? I, I, Harris has said it's not a priority now, but I wouldn't be surprised if they decide to sit, to wash that uh, Daniel mm -hmm. Snyder error away by calling them something like the Americans or something or something similar to that effect to say, hey, look, we are a new team. We're, they'll probably keep the colors because right. the color scheme is, is, is important. But I would think that they'll keep commanders for now. But I think that definitely there will be a rebrand probably in the next two or three years. Jonathan, a yeah. quick pick. I, I, I tend to agree. I would say that not that they should change the name, but it's a bit reading between the lines as a PR guy, you say that it sounds like that, that that's something that, that they're going to do. It's an opportunity to, to flush down the toilet, the Snyder era and, and, and sort of Febreze the bathroom. And then, and now the, um, <laughs> you know, the, the other, the other piece that I didn't pick up, up before, very, very interesting how the Gruden um, emails and the Gruden litigation against the league and his desire to bring down the league office, meaning bring down Goodell and Park Avenue, um, is still a shoe um, that uh, to drop before this all thing is done. Let's see how much uh, money they can find in the couch cushions to pay John Gruden off to avoid discovery and, and all that. I bet John Gruden is going to is in a sense, he's not going to come out worse for wear. That guy who got that, that enormous, you know, decade long contract 
and then got canceled and, and didn't think he was going to see the rest of that money. My guess is that they're going to find a way to make him at least whole um, in the coming weeks. Um, so that, that that's a TBD deal. So um, watch, the, you know, hell hath no, no fury like a psycho football coach scorned. And, I, and full disclosure, again, in working with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, John Gruden was fantastic with me yeah. on a personal level, on a professional level, before yeah. games, after games. I have not really spoken to him since all of this happened. The interesting thing is he's spending a lot of time back in Tampa again, where he had been in Las Vegas. Uh, but that reporting by Seth Wickersham and Don Van Atta that was getting specific on, here's who we believe is the likely culprit that leaked the first email to the Wall Street Journal. And here's the next likely culprit, including this woman with Rock Nation, tying it back to her, uh, Desiree Perez is her name, who likely leaked this specific email to the New York Times. I thought that was fascinating how they're pinning it down, not saying for sure, but you look at the timeline, you look at the evidence in their reporting, and even to the point in their reporting where Snyder had a PowerPoint uh, basically presentation on here's how we're going to weaponize these emails to go against the NFL. We're going to black, we're going to blackmail the NFL with the emails. And it's tremendously uh, convenient that there are only 40 emails that have seen the light of day out of over 600,000 of them. And that's what Gruden's ultimate goal is release all the emails, and there's a lot of media cheering that on that wants to see who was saying what about other owners, about other teams, that's about all kinds of things. So, and that, and that that's to Goodell, that can't come out. Well, right, but it just can't. So, but you're this, here, you're here now. The ramifications for what was done is you're here now, and it may, it may, I'm not saying it will, it may not be his choice anymore, no matter how much money they have. That that stuff, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. It's gotten to this point. So interesting with the no, NFL. Like Needs money, but he does stand, no. stand the game quite a bit. Well, sure he does. They'll throw the bag at him in 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 you know in the hopes that it'll it'll allow Goodell to continue to earn in that regime. I mean, they they've they're a good they're survivors, man. Um, and when a lot of fans are not crazy about the commish, he's always had the power base of the owners and everything. It'll be very interesting to see how much money they could muster by passing the uh, passing the hat and 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 see whether it will be or pass the visor that Gruden wears at, uh, with the hole in the bottom and, and whether whether there's enough there to to um, satiate him. Um, Spider two Y banana back on the diagram in the uh, in the office in the dark in the dark recesses of his office that he has now. Uh, once again in Tampa, going over all the game film. With that, few moments left. Again, Jonathan Grella, you're hearing his voice. You find him at Jag Public Affairs. I love Jonathan's uh, insight. Ken Fang of Awful Announcing. Fang uh, Fang's Bites is where you find him on social media. And I, I love both of their uh, insight. Is there anything else? Ken, are we going to get a Pac-12 media deal here? We, we haven't heard. They had their media day. We haven't heard where the Pac-12 Media rights going to end up, and this is perilous. That's the word that I will use. They got to figure something out and lucratively because they may have other schools bolt and bolt soon, I, and then there is no Pac-12. Ken, what's the what's the thought, and and what are we going to find out about that? Well, here's the thing. You know, yes, last week who had their media days? The SEC for four days. The Pac-12 had one day, <laughs> right. and then this week we have the ACC with three days. The Big Ten with two. What is going on here with the Pac-12? You, you're supposed to have a guy who's supposed to be media savvy and George Kliakoff. Um, he comes in, he 
everyone's expecting an announcement of a media deal during their one football media day on Friday. <laughs> and he comes out and says, I have nothing to announce. We're not going to announce it this week. I want the focus today to be on football, which means if you tell reporters not what not to focus on something, what are they going to do? They're going to focus oh, yeah. on something they're not supposed to focus on. So they said, the so Baghdad, you- Bob, the Americans are not at the airport. It was kind of uh, ringing in my head there on oh, that. Buddy, from back he's in not in work. here. He's not in here. He's not in the closet. He's not in here. <laughs> um, so here comes uh, the reporter saying, so you're telling us we can't focus on, you were supposed to focus on football. So you're telling us there's not a deal. And that's, of course, the whole bit. That's the whole big story. Um I don't know what they may have a deal. They may not have a deal. Um, ESPN may want, may want it. They may not want it. We know Fox is out. Um, they're supposed to be a tech company, uh, whether it's Apple, whether it's Amazon, we have no idea. Um, we don't know how long this is. I think the the membership is holding steady right now to see what George Klyakov has for them. And if it's not in order, you could see half the, half the uh, conference go to the, uh, Big 12, you could yep. see a couple of members go to the Big 10. That's so exactly that's right. This is right. It's very tenuous right now. And George Kleokoff has got to pull a rabbit out of his hat right now. He has not shown his hand. And he's just, I think it's a big bluff right now. Jonathan Grilla, what do you make of this landscape right now of college football where USC and UCLA are eventually going to be in the Big 10? Hello. And there may not be a Pac-12. The Pac-12 may cease to exist coming up here even if they do announce this tv deal they don't really have a way to bind the likes of or without going too far in the weeds the likes of oregon washington stanford cal the two arizona schools they could still leave if they don't like this tv deal jonathan what do you make of this just real quick thankfully i don't have ocd except when it comes to divisions and conferences having geographic meaning (laughs) <laughs> and it's long bothered me that the Atlanta Braves are like in this, you know, same division with teams from the Northeast or the Cowboys or the NFC East and, and, and you name it. Right. So, so this stuff is driving me nuts. I hated when the big East had teams, you know, had like SMU and, right. and Tulane. Right, right. Like what the hell is going on? So <laughs> I, I think we need a cartographer or someone to, you know, an independent commission to go and realign sports in a way that in where everything makes geographic sense. First and foremost, stop the insanity. We can't have teams. We can't have Rutgers in the big Ten. I mean, but it's there. It's um, there. I, I know it's there. And 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 if you don't think I'm saying you to the audience or just anybody, not to the you as Ken and Jonathan, if you don't think the Big Ten won't come back in and raid two teams or four more teams and have just essentially a Big Ten West for USC, UCLA to play two or four other teams, they absolutely could do that. And they have monstrous money and monstrous TV deals behind them to be able to entice that. So we'll see the college football landscape. You're right. I, I am. I am partisan uh, to the to the old school where the Atlanta Braves were always in the NL West with the Dodgers and the Giants and the Padres and what even the Falcons. The Atlanta West. Falcons were in the NFC West. Ken Fang knows the language I'm speaking here, playing regularly against the 49ers, the Rams, and, and the Saints. Right? That was the division. And, sure. and you're like, what? The Cardinals what, what? were in the NFC East. Yes, and <laughs> and the Cardinals were in Phoenix, playing in the yeah. NFC East. And nobody. And, and now we know why right. the elementary school geography kids can't get anything right. While we had these division realignments, it was uh, it was that bad. Uh, so we'll see what happens there with that. Anything else 
Uh, in closing, last word on sports media podcast, Grella and I could talk professional wrestling. If you thought Grella was filibustering on his Jets, if we started talking professional wrestling, that would go out of control. So we won't yeah, go 80, down. 80 for wrestling. The only thing I'd add right now is obviously um, so very interesting. I'm sure uh, Ken finds it very interesting too. The MLS messy debut and 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 all of the metrics around you know his instagram following his uh, instagram following and and you know soccer's having this moment now the one that we've been waiting for you know since we all were little kids um you know in the pele uh, era and uh, if you have never seen once in a lifetime a fabulous documentary about the cosmos and and it will remind you how close we were to to this watershed moment, this tipping point where soccer finally took hold as a major sport in America. Um, it, it sure it sure seems like we're right there, um, and and also just very interesting too with not just um, Messi um, uh, uh, refusing the offers from from others who had a lot to spend. Other stars like Ronaldo accepting um, those opportunities. Now you see Mbappe with the same, um, and uh, and just how how there's this new arms arms race at a time where global interest in soccer is at this all time high, particularly in America. Um, so just very very interesting to see how um, you know just like Beckham and Pele had done how Messi uses the twilight of his career to grow his brand and influence and and it's going to be amazing that I'm sure I'm sure these guys are self-conscious that they aren't exactly as as young as they used to be um, but man they are entering their business prime in the biggest way imaginable and are are, are going from they're going from declining athlete to you know moguls and impresarios yeah, no doubt. And Ken, I know they didn't uh, they don't release the numbers of that first game and always a first game is going to is going to pop uh, as it did. And then Messi scores a goal in the extra time uh, of the, uh, the, the uh, yeah, it's almost yeah. Uh, on the free kick. The, the interest level is high right now. Even I think it's fair to say worldwide on Major League Soccer and Messi being there. And that was the whole point, Ken. Just one more time. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, him, Apple making part of this deal to bring him over to MLS also getting a percentage of sale, uniform sales from Adidas, which is their sponsor. Really, really Brilliant. big. And it's a it's a really fantastic deal that a Apple and the MLS did to get Messi over here. Will he attract more people to come over? Already a couple of his former teammates uh, who uh, played with him in Argentina and Barcelona are coming over to, to sign with Inter Miami. So, And will it be a watershed moment to bring other players, maybe younger, to MLS and attract him to be, become a top flight league. That's something we'll have to see. And will we see more creative deals through that to from Apple and Adidas? Great stuff on that. And by the way, Ken is in New England, so he does not shop at Publix. Free plug for them as the grocery store. Brother <laughs> Grella, like the Reeves household, has shopped at Publix with the family. Nothing says man of the people like Messi being in the Publix with the kids in the grocery store, getting recognized in Miami, and then having to hightail it for the car. We got to get out of here. They've all recognized me for an autograph. A photo I have a, man of the people in Publix, Jonathan. I have a 30-second TJ Reeves public story, which yes. I think you've heard before, which is tell it, tell it. It was always my it was always my um uh job as 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 head of comms for the Bucks to sit in on coaches' shows and have my team sit in on players' radio shows. TJ was a host of many of those. Well, 
I made the mistake of leaving the office thinking that it was well under control because I had one of my um, uh, deputies in the room uh, for the player to show, except for the problem the player didn't show up. That's and correct. So I am I am getting panicky texts and phone calls from everyone that player X did not show up. And, sh- and then uh, and then I sat in the parking lot of a Publix and listened to TJ <laughs> back to my time of possession. We've come full circle. TJ fill a whole hour and you mm-hmm. would be the wiser. There was no stammering. There was not a, a, a moment of dead air the entire hour. And I sat there shaking my head like only TJ could have a player no show and and retain the audience the way he did he was he was unflappable so uh um, i think you saw me and your words were something to the effect of god bless you something like that because <laughs> yes. we just went on and on without a player there and again it was amazing this is this is the team's radio hour and the player for whatever reason i can't even remember the reason got it confused wasn't there we're trying to find the player we can't find the player and jonathan's horrified because it's coming back to his desk on where's the player why is the player not there and I just did what I do. I just kept talking and we talked and we did and we did the show and did and did what we had to do. And it does all come back to Publix and the subs and uh, where shopping is a pleasure. But they should sponsor the podcast, I think, at this point. All right. I'm leaving with this. Uh, you boys were big succession fans. I don't know this answer. We're doing it organically. Were you fans before? Have you caught up and are you fans now of Justify, the FX show with Timothy Oliphant? I'm looking for reactions from either one of you. Raylan Givens, U.S. Marshal, does any of that matter to either one of you? I Not see yet. blank looks. I see blank looks. So nothing on Justified. That's a fantastic show, and they've reprised it. I'm just it. getting caught up on Ted Lasso now. All right, so I understand that. But Justified, I just finished Ted Lasso. Ted Lasso. Yeah. All right, see, I've not done anything with Ted Lasso. We're just coming clean no, here yeah. on the podcast. But Justified with Timothy Oliphant is fantastic as the U.S. Marshal Raylan Givens. It's now back on a short series. They brought it back after like seven or eight years. So I'm going to hit you with one more. The Paul Giamatti uh, and now it's Corey Stoll or the characters Billions. Are you into Billions, the Showtime show about the billionaires and the government and the feds trying to investigate the billionaires? Anything on Billions? Yes. Ken, I don't see a reaction. Jonathan, yes, but Ken, no. Billions I, is coming back for its final season. I Ken, it doesn't mean anything to you? Does it mean nothing to you? I saw the first two episodes and could not get hooked, but I could. I have the Showtime app, and I can definitely try and get into it again. So maybe back around to that. Jonathan, yes, on Billions coming back for the final season because they're bringing back Damian Lewis as Bobby Axelrod. Good. As the billionaire, I, evil billionaire. Ax is great, and I, I love I loved him in um, in Homeland too. Um, oh my, yeah. I. I find uh, Paul Giamatti really annoying and grating. His voice bothers me. And even, <laughs> even like, you know, whatever we did, the whatever John Adams uh, uh, thing, like I, I can't get over how annoying uh, Giamatti is. Um, but his father on the show, Chuck Sr., is one of my all-time favorite characters. Yes. And then final note here, um, and this is, this is very interesting. Living two doors down from me in um, suburban Maryland, right outside of, of um, D.C., is the father of the actor who plays Wags. He grew up on my street, and I've seen him here. Um, so I saw my neighbor um, wearing a Billions like knit hat a few years ago, and I was like, wait, you watch Billions? And he was like an older, really nice older guy. 
And I was like, Sal, are you wearing a billion hat? And he's like, yeah, my son's on the show. I was like, who is he? He's like, Wags. David Constable like, oh is the actor. God. Wags, Michael and, Wags Wagner. That is uh, that is tremendous. And again, and I, and I said to him, hey, you know, are you cool with all the stuff he says? He's like, it's just the character he's playing. I'm like, yeah, right. It, well, yeah, true. And there's a lot of stuff there for Wags in He's that show. But, but again, Paul Giamatti, you can't I'm not going to let you get away with just bashing him and then leaving on a drive by here on the show. He is tremendous as Chuck Rose. He's tremendous in some other things. Uh, too. Is great. He's a good actor. I just don't like the way he talks. <laughs> I, I, I love him. Uh, for all the different uh, analogies and speeches he gives as Chuck Rhodes about different things and how they work. And uh, all right. So anyway, the billions uh, finale season starts up here in a couple of weeks. Maybe Ken will catch up. Uh, Jonathan and I will compare notes about that I'm on it. or about the Jets on hard knocks or about professional wrestling. I try not to bother Ken too much away from the podcast, but I bother Jonathan more uh, frequently. Guys, great stuff here. Ken Fang, awful announcing. Fang's bites on Twitter. Thank you for hanging again here on the podcast. I appreciate you. My pleasure. Always glad to do it. Uh, Jonathan Grella, Jag Public Affairs. Thank you, my friend. Always good to break bread figuratively. Can't wait till the Bucks and Jets get together on Hard Knocks on Max. Be be well. Thank you, Jonathan Grella. On as always. Thanks so much, guys. Uh, and we thank all of you for being with us. I'm off to Vegas. I'm off to Sin City. Catch the coverage on BigFightWeekend.com and the Big Fight Weekend podcast this weekend for Spence Crawford, the boxing pay-per-view. Shades of Leonard Hitman Hearns as the world welterweight. Now we're talking Woo! boxing nostalgia we'll see if it lives up to it but for now we're good on the last word on sports media podcast say goodbye to your credit card rewards greedy corporate mega stores led by walmart and target are pushing for a law in congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets the durbin marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it if you love your credit card rewards tell your lawmakers hands off my rewards tell them to oppose the durbin marshall credit card bill